And welcome into this edition of Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Also being simulcast on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page. Today's Gator podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists for the highest quality care. You can rely on Southeast Orthopedic Specialists for any orthopedic injury or concern. You can log on to their website by going to se-ortho.com. And we certainly appreciate Southeast Orthopedic Specialists for bringing you this edition of Gator Bites with Graham marsh i'm the hacker ryan green all right so the last time we were in here florida's recruiting was pretty good okay yeah not great okay and (laughs) then the last five days have happened where florida has been arguably the hottest team in the country on the recruiting trail and oh by the way the gators are playing for a national championship in omaha at the college world series so clearly graham there is a lot to discuss right now it's uh it's not the worst time ever to be a Gator fan. No. Um yeah, man, after what seemed like kind of a a pretty long stretch of quiet stuff happening after the orange and blue game wrapped up uh, a few months back, it was kind of all quiet on the western front and then all of a sudden Austin Simmons is reclassifying, all of a sudden he's reclassifying but not going to Florida. And then it's this huge sky is falling moment and Lane Kiffin is playing Tom Petty and he's posting it on Twitter and he's holding a a baby gator. And then, as you said, a couple days later, the University of Florida has, according to 247, the number three class overall. And according to on three sports, the number two class overall in the country after being uh, just outside the top 10 and in the teens. Uh, a couple days before that. So according to 247sports.com, there are numerous websites, but I use 24-7 at least right now. Jamonte Wyler from Mississippi, Aaron Childs, the number one player in the state of Maryland, Amir Jackson from Georgia, Amaris Williams, North Carolina, Nasir Johnson from Georgia. You also had Marcus Mascol from Georgia, an offensive tackle, Michael Burrow from Georgia as well. Mike Williams from Maryland. All of these guys have committed in the last seven days. Every one of them, with the exception of Mike Williams, on the 247.com recruiting rankings is among the top 350, 400 players in the country. Um, They just hit fire. I don't think we've seen anything like this, Graham. We never saw anything like it with Mullen. We never saw anything like it with McIlwain. Probably Muschamp you'd have to go back because Muschamp did a really good job on the recruiting trail. He just was a bad X's and O's coach. So you got to go back at least a decade plus to see Florida have a weak stretch on the recruiting trail the way they've had here recently. Um, yeah, it's it's been very few and far between. There's been any sort of momentum even close to this. And um, you're right, bringing up the coaches. McElwain had one tiny little spurt. I think it was in 2017. Uh, when he got Jamar Chase to commit, and oh Matt yeah, I Corral. talked to Jam- I talked to Jamar Chase the night he committed to Florida. That's the Jamar Chase. In fact, his cell phone number is still on my phone. He committed. Pack and Jamar Chase are good buddies. Hey, That's J- what he's telling Jamar me. Jamar Chase best and I have broken bread. I actually talked to him a few times. All fired up about Matt Corral and Jamar Chase both coming to Florida, and then Matt Corral decommits, and moments after that, Jamar Chase decommitted, and Florida recruiting had never been the same no. over the last three or four years until probably right now. And even that was a really small flash in the pan. Um, I think in terms of the quality, last year, Billy Napier was bringing in quality, but I don't, I think most people would agree not enough quantity of the quality. Um, 
and then Dan Mullen, it was always a bunch of quantity and not enough quality, right? Right now, it looks like they're finally hitting both. Because it's been the last, the last year and a half or so since Billy Napier has been at Florida, it's the, the glass half full way to look at things is okay. He's really bumped up the average recruit. You know, mm-hmm. n- now when they get guys, it's really somebody that's Florida Gator material. It's really a, a top, top guy that a bunch of other elite programs want. Okay, that's great, but I need more of them. Georgia and Alabama are reeling these guys like it's clockwork. I need to be closer to that level. I don't need just a couple of guys and then say, oh, look at the average composite. There are two things, and you're right about that. There are two things that I want to talk about. One relates to Georgia and Alabama. We'll get to in a moment. Let's start here. I don't know if you know this or not. I'm just going to ask you cold. There's 16 recruits currently committed to Florida for their 2024 class. Do you know how many of those 16 are from Florida? Two? Two. Yeah, I think I think it was two. Two. There's more from the state of Georgia. Yeah. I mean, you look you look just, just skimming through. Texas, Texas, Georgia, Mississippi, Maryland, North Carolina, uh, Mississippi again, Georgia again, Georgia all over the place, another Maryland and a Germany. So over in Europe. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing, a bad thing, if that doesn't matter, but it's an interesting thing to me in that you would think Florida is a fertile ground for players. It is. Yet Florida's got the top three class in America on all the recruiting websites. And of their 16 guys, only two of them are from the Sunshine State. It's extremely interesting. I think it's a little bit. We talked about this last week. Some. I think there's three things going on here that are making that be the case. And they're all, I don't know if any have more to do with this than the other, but I believe that the first thing is that Billy Napier is not from Florida. We've talked about this. He's he still need to be here a little bit longer and entrench his roots a little bit more and build more of the, those relationships with high school coaches. The second thing is that I think recruiting in general is more national mm-hmm. than it's ever been. And I think if you look at a lot of teams across the country, I'm not going to necessarily say Georgia or someone like that because they dominate their own state. But a, there's a lot of schools that have a lot of guys from other areas. And I think that's just more prevalent than it was 10 to 15 years ago. And then the third thing is you look at that the opposite way as a player. Are there a lot of kids now that just simply want to go somewhere else for college? Maybe more so than they had in the past, right? I I believe now more than ever, you have a lot of kids that grow up not necessarily fans of the school down the road. And I think for a long time, particularly here in the Sunshine State with, with how much talent comes out of this state, Man, all these kids grew up Miami fans, Florida fans, Florida State fans. So it was much easier to keep them in state because they were getting to play for their dream school. Well, I think one thing along those lines, you know, we think uh, Tim Tebow, you know, the Tim Tebow effect, the Pouncey twins, Percy Harvin. Guys that are 18 years old that are committing to these schools, they were four when the Pouncey twins were at yeah, Florida. Yeah, 100%. They were five at max when Tim Tebow was his final year at Florida. You know who they watched growing up? They watched Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Right, and they watched Alabama, and they watched all the. You they know. watched Tua yeah. and Jerry Judy and Jalen Waddle, and that that's that's who they've been watching. They watched Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, like that's who they've been. Think about it, man. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase when they won the national championship. The kids that are coming out now were what eighth grade? Yeah, like that. 
to to just expand on your point in the timeline we're talking about it it's not like these kids vividly remember tebow to harvin and all that it's exactly what you're saying i totally agree and, and look the other thing is i'm not gonna blow smoke at you that's what we don't do here on gator bites there are a lot of, of blow smoke podcasts. no there are a lot of podcasts and look i don't fault anybody for doing this but you watch some podcasts and they'll break down these guys like they know them inside now you know they'll give you a full description on all these recruits without ever talking to these kids or ever seeing them play. I don't know if these kids are any good or not. I go on what the websites tell me. But one but one thing that I do know is who Florida beats out for these guys. All right? Florida beat out LSU for Maskell, the offensive tackle. Florida beat out Penn State and Auburn and Ole Miss for, the, for uh, Waller, the number one kid from Mississippi. Florida beat out Michigan for Aaron Childs, the number one prospect out of Maryland. So... That was something that was not happening. Florida was getting on the table. They were among the final five hats on the table, but they weren't getting picked up. Now, all of a sudden, they're on the final five hats on the table, and they are getting picked up. They're beating out big-time programs who also want these kids to commit. And why is that important? Because these guys that all of the top schools want, does it mean that every so often you might get a five-star that doesn't pan out? Of course it doesn't. Like, that will happen. However, the more guys that come to your roster that, just like you said, Alabama wanted, Georgia wanted, uh, Michigan wanted, Ohio State wanted, Ole Miss wanted, LSU wanted, blah, 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 the list goes on. The more guys on your roster that were of that caliber in high school, the more likely you are to start re-getting a Tebow and a Harvin and a Lewis Murphy and a Jeff Demps and a Chris Rainey and and rebirthing that type of thing because look it's it's so easy and it's such a common casual thing on on Twitter or wherever for someone to point out like a Hunter Renfro type of guy that was a walk-on and earned his way and see you can you don't have to get all the five stars or whatever okay but those guys are few and far between for the most part the guys winning ball games on Saturdays are dudes that everybody wanted mm-hmm you think Georgia's roster is full of a bunch of dudes that Florida didn't want? Of course not. Georgia's roster is full of guys that they beat out. Best for, defensive player in the SEC last year, Harold Perkins at LSU. Florida thought they had him. Correct. And then LSU exactly. gets him on, on his decision day. And Florida wanted him. Bad. Big time. Really bad. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's just getting back to what we, what we said. And the reason I make that whole point is to say that you're absolutely right. It's not like you and I are going to sit up here and pretend that we've stud- really studied the tape on these guys and looked at how they play the 3-4 outside linebacker or whatever. We haven't. But, just like you said, and you're exactly right, I may not know if this kid can play or not, but I know that Kirby Smart thinks that he might be able to play. Right, when I see Brian Kelly and all these coaches wanting to set offensive tackle and he comes to Florida, that's probably a good sign for the Gators. Right, and that particular kid may be a flop, but if I get five guys that all those schools wanted, chances are three to four of them are going to be damn good football players. Today's Gator Bites podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for the highest quality care. You can rely on Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for any orthopedic injury or concern. Feel free to log on to their website, se.ortho. That's se-ortho.com to get all the information on our friends at Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. All right, a couple of things before we get to baseball. Um, Now here's the question. Florida has gotten into the top five nationally on a lot of these recruiting websites. 
on three, I think has him at number two. I think 24-7 has him at number three. Regardless, their class is thought of very highly. You don't have to scroll no. at all when you look on your when you look on your phone. Your thumb doesn't have to do any movements to no. see Florida. Now, for example, twenty four seven has Georgia one, Michigan two, Florida three, Ohio State four, Notre Dame five. As it stands right now, here is the question: Not a lot is expected about this Gator team on the field in twenty twenty three. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Can they keep a top five recruiting class together if they lose? Five, six, dare I say, even seven games. I think the difference between five and seven games is pretty substantial in that regard. Agreed. Um, I totally I totally get what you're saying, and I totally agree. Listen, if I'm a Florida State fan right now or a Georgia fan, and I just saw Florida get all these commits and move up their rankings, I'm saying, all right, good good luck when you when you get your butt kicked five to six times this year. Good luck keeping all these guys. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I would say if I was a fan of an opposing team. But I actually think, it, not not to cut you off, but real quick, I think what you just said might help Florida in one regard. What I've been told, and again, you hear a lot of rumblings, a lot of rumors, but one of the selling points that Florida is using, and they're right, they got the new facility, they got the great staff, they got everything you need, but these kids can come in and play right away in 2024, right? When you go to Georgia, you're going to sit for two years, when you go to Alabama, you're going to sit for two years. LSU, Auburn, kind of the same thing. Maybe not so much Auburn, but LSU. Florida, if you commit to the Gators of these you know, 16 guys right now, most of them can come right in and play next year in a major, major way, which I do think being bad might almost help Florida in that regard. Yeah, I agree. In terms of playing time. Yes. And that's why... That's why what I was just saying is I think the difference between five and seven is is big in terms of how many losses Florida may have. Because I think if you are um, seven and five, I believe that that is a train you can ride. Hey, wasn't a great year for us. This is why we need your help. Come in. The culture's really building here. The culture's starting to set in. We're all singing the same sheet of music here in the program come add this talent and lift the roof off of what we can do and come come bump us from seven wins to to nine, ten, and and beyond that in years to come. I think after seven and five, I think you run the risk of starting to lose people. I know I, I know I'm playing a, a really strict mathematical game. It's not going to work that way for everybody. Obviously I'm just kind of generalizing here. I think at seven and five or better, you can play that card. I think after that, it starts to become: Is Florida a disaster that I don't want to be a part of? Mm-hmm. It, you you start to have to ask that question if you are the high school coach of one of these kids that's committed, if you are the parents of one of these guys that's committed, if you are the kid watching the game. And again, I think we talked about this, I believe, last week, and I know we've talked about it in the past. In terms of the recruiting momentum. It isn't just about winning or losing these games. It's about how. If Florida can, even if they lose a significant chunk of the games that you and I both believe that they are going to lose, if they can be competitive and show that this program is headed somewhere and show that there's a coaching staff that's elevating their players and developing their players, if they can maybe start slow and get faster, get better at the end of the year type of thing, I think they have a great chance of retaining the vast majority of the class. I think if they get 
blown out a couple of times and they're getting embarrassed and the wheels are falling off and they've had to change quarterbacks four times and it's that type of disaster, I think that they're going to lose players pretty quick. Well, we got to go quick here, but the one thing I, I do agree with you in that regard, you also want the game day experience to be great. No matter what the win-loss record is, yep. when these kids come in for their official visit to the Tennessee game and the Arkansas game and the Florida State game, you want to be good enough to have your fan base fired up to make the swamp look as electric as possible so the kids, the recruits, the commitments enjoy their time in Gainesville. If they show up to Florida State and there's 40,000 Seminole fans in there and 10,000 empty seats, that's not exactly a lasting memory you want going into two weeks before the first signing period. So I think it all it all correlates together. But at the end of the day, because we got to end with baseball here, at the end of the day, on June, what are we, June 21st, 22nd? What a run for Billy Napier. Any, any Gator fan that had issue with Billy Napier, you can't say anything about him right now because he is doing things on the recruiting trail that Florida hasn't seen, like we said, in well over a decade. I will say here on the podcast, in front of, in front of our entire lovely audience to hear, I've had a lot of criticisms and doubts about Billy Napier in the last year and a half. Right now, the way recruiting's going, if this continues, he's shutting me up as we speak, and I'm more than happy to be shut up. Yeah, he's proving me wrong as we speak, and that has to continue. You know, the the work's obviously not done, but he's given me a lot of reason to shut up my complaints and doubts. Se-ortho.com, Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. They bring you Gator Bites each and every week here on the 1010XL Podcast Network and on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page. And we certainly thank the good folks at Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. Finally, the College World Series in Omaha. Boy, the Gators have been living dangerously, scoring three in the bottom of the ninth to beat Virginia surviving Oral Roberts after just an unbelievable managerial error by Kevin O'Sullivan, which he owned up to. He went to the mound too many times. So Neely had to come out. They had to put a true freshman in in a bases-loaded situation in the bottom of the eighth. They survived that against Oral Roberts. And then earlier this week, TCU, what a game, comes down to the final pitch, the final out. TCU's leading home run man, 23 homers on the year, hits at about 408 feet in Omaha. He needed to hit 410 as the Gators what went a up. Catch, man. Oh, it was a great catch. What a catch. Great catch. So Florida's a perfect 3-0. They're sitting pretty. Uh, we're taping this on Thursday, so we don't know the outcome of LSU Wake Forest, which is going to get played tonight. The winner of the game tonight plays Florida in a best of three beginning Saturday as the Gators are now this close to their second college baseball national championship. If you are a Gator fan and you tune in to LSU and Wake Forest tonight, you are rooting for the game to go as many innings as humanly possible. Yes, and you're rooting for Wake Forest to win. That's probably also true. You're rooting for what you don't you I'd for, you don't want to deal with LSU. The dream scenario is Wake Forest wins in dramatic fashion in the bottom of the 18th. In a, yeah, in about 18 innings. Yeah, it goes seven hours. They they wear out a bunch of arms. It's an emotional, crazy win. And then they're all beat up and damaged when they got to play the Gators. Well, that that's, was, that's what you're ultimately cheering for. And to that point, you're right. I had a couple Gator fans yesterday say, well, if they don't win today, they get to have another chance tomorrow. Yeah, they would have, but now... They get more rest for their arms. It's like uh, it's not dissimilar from basketball 
Like if you're playing in a playoff series, like the Nuggets just beat the Heat in the finals. The Nuggets finished the, the Nuggets beat the Lakers, the swept the Lakers, and they had like almost two full weeks off while the Heat had to play a bunch of extra games. It's a similar situation. You, yeah. you want to give your guys as much of a rest as possible, especially in baseball, because it's such a long year, man. And and it's with pitching and saving the arms, there, there's so much benefit to getting those extra days. The thing with LSU, if LSU were to win, they would be five games in in a week. Florida's only played three. So LSU would already be beat up in that sense, two extra games, uh, which in college baseball is a lot. Because in college baseball, it's not like you have a five-man pitching rotation like you do in the major leagues i mean major league baseball your number four and number five man are awesome in college baseball that's not necessarily the case maybe it is for a team like lsu but i would doubt it they're four and five men in the rotation are clearly not what their one two and three guys are so from that standpoint i like where florida's sitting but boy what a story it would be from losing a regional game against texas tech to having to win three games in basically 27 hours you go to the Super Regional and play a South Carolina team that swept you in the regular season. And then you come to Omaha, and so far you've won three one-run games, eight wins in a row for the Gators in this NCAA tournament. And again, two wins away from a national title. That South Carolina series was, the if if they do claim a national title, that South Carolina series will be the defining moment of their season. I don't know, like... They've been a good a good team all season, but I don't know that that was really. I think a national championship was a little bit, maybe not super pie in the sky, but a little pie in the sky until that South Carolina series. And I was like, oh my god, mm-hmm. no, this team is is playing the best baseball of any team in the country right now. He is Graham Marsh. I'm the hacker Ryan Green. Hopefully, the next time we talk, maybe a couple more recruits for the Florida Gators and. Maybe a college baseball national championship. Have a great 4th of July. We'll talk to you in the month of July here on Gator Bites, 1010XL.com and the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page.